0: make the cloud work for you with cloud
1: optimizer get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment that's cloudoptimizer.com.
3: the manchester football social forever blue with ian cheeseman Welcome along to another hour of Manchester City chat each and every Tuesday right here on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. It's uh, it's Manchester music throughout the day, just to Clint Boone. And tonight it's all about Manchester football, because that's where City are from, the City of Manchester. Yes. You know Paul, Paul Lake's with me tonight. I used to love it, uh, not everybody did, when it used to be called the City of Manchester Stadium, because that felt like the right <laughs> name to me, because Manchester City are from Manchester,
4: aren't they? Sure are mate, sure
3: are <laughs> Right, now then, let me uh, let me ask you a couple of sort of things Because uh, we're away from the football at the moment mm. uh, Later on we've got um, a, the artist on who painted the dream scene Have you seen that, this this I've painting? Se- I've
4: seen some of it on social media not like, I've not seen it in its entirety But yeah, I've got a glimpse of it, it looks really good
3: We've also got um, a guy on called Gary James, uh, Doctor Gary, Gary James, James. Yes. who yeah, I'm sure you know very well, who's very written well. another esteemed book. He writes fantastic books. Manchester City folklore. Right. So um, I, I'm not quite sure what what the subject matter is, and we'll find out a little bit later on. We'll him, can't we? But in terms of City, um, I mean, obviously players have been away on international duty. There's been the blank weekend. Tonight's England play again. Does that bug you? Did the, did the break come at the right time, the
4: wrong time? Do you miss City or is it good to have a break? Do you know, I think it probably helped us in some respects. Uh, certainly with regard to Leroy Sané in particular, who uh, I, 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 you don't actually understand exactly where, what's been going on OK. Apparently, you know, his he's, uh, his girlfriend's had a baby and, and uh, that's obviously play, played on his mind. Um, he'll have been managed really well by Pep Guardiola as we've all seen in All or Nothing how he dealt with David Silva was just impeccable yep. you know and he'll be the same with Leroy it'll be a chance for Leroy to get a bit of a break to have some family time and then to get back and to, and to get that bit between his teeth because he's not been the player that we know he can be because last, as we all know he was player of the year last year young player of the year and when he's in his pomp he's unplayable and he wasn't quite at that but by the same token, we had players that stepped up to the plate. Bernardo Silva, in particular, has been different class. And and that's the key, is that all last season we had players that if someone was maybe a 7 out of 10, somebody else was a 9. I and mean, there was always players to turn to. It was goals from all over the pitch. We've done that again this season already. Been lots of goals from different players. But I just think it'll be a chance for Pep to take stock and, and maybe just reflect on other teams as well, see where they're at. But certainly for one or two players, I think it's come at the right time. And also, obviously, good news about Kev. Uh, obviously being back sooner than we all anticipated so that's a, that's a real positive for Pep Guardiola. Danilo seems to be getting closer as well he's back in training now isn't he. Yeah exactly when I mean, you've got those kind of utility players who you're going to need uh, key months in the season, and we know we can play. And and uh, you come back to it, Phil Foden. We need to, he needs to play more football now. I mean, Pep knows he's been training, but if he wasn't good enough, he wouldn't be in training with the boys week in week out. We know he can handle it. He's been away on international duty as well, Phil Foden. I want him to come back and start playing more and more, because I think next season, you know, he's going to be the start of him. And he he still for me will be the player that England are missing. The fact that City are
3: going to be playing two games a week pretty much from now on, assuming of course they stay in the League Cup all the way through as they did last season, there's going to be much more opportunity for all the players, isn't there? Because up till now it's been one game a weekend and and a big gap in between. You
4: can't keep everybody happy with that, really, can you? With a squad like City? No, you can't. And and again because because of the level of the players and because of the intensity that City train at, means that every player will get you know will get to play, you know, I mean, certainly Nick Otamendi, uh, for what he was probably our best defender last season, hasn't played at all this season yet. Can you you explain that, by the way, because he he
3: was in the, I think he was in the PFA Player of the Year, was it, last year? Uh-huh. Certainly he was in mm-hmm. one of those representative teams. Mm-hmm. I thought he was City's best defender, yeah, I agree. if I'm being honest. I agree. Uh, and yet he hasn't had a minute, not a minute. What, what What's going on there? Is he just saving him, do you think? Or?
4: I think maybe it might be a combination of him not banqu- being quite back at it in terms of coming back from from being away with um, Argentina and, and being a little bit out of sorts. You know, we don't walk a mile in someone's shoes. don't know what they're like in training, you know, and certainly away from the the, the training ground. So maybe Pep's just giving him time just to take stock, to reflect on both last season, the World Cup, everything else, and to come back as fit as he possibly can be and chomping at the bit. Again... I mean, and it's something that's great for us City fans, because we've seen all or nothing. I would imagine nearly every City fan's seen it at least once. Some of us, you know, basically binge-watched it. You know what I mean? But you do get a sense of that togetherness. And so, for whatever reason, there'll be a positive reason why that hasn't happened. It won't be negative. You know, It won't be criticising. It'll be for a genuine reason. And he'll come back, and he'll realise that we need this squad to be together more than ever. Because everyone now... I'd suggest everyone, obviously, wants Liverpool you feel, to be the team to really challenge City this season. It may be because of all oh, nothing so successful and it paints us in such a good light that there's a, bit, a fair bit of jealousy out there, so they might want us to fail. So when you have that, you've got to galvanise the squad, you've got to have that togetherness. And I think Pets mindful of all that. You know, I think he's a genius on the grass, but he's also a very good man. I think he man- manages beautifully, as we've seen. So I think all those things combined, I think that... Uh, once we get back from international duty, uh, we'll, we will kick on. And there'll be players rotated and you'll be players that will be given that chance to find that form, to get back into the rhythm. And they all want to be better. They all want to play. They're all desperate to get out there. You know, you see, you know, Fabian be played, you know, and he'll be he'll be desperate to, to get out there and prove a point. You know, so we've got players that are on the sidelines. They want the best for the teammates, but deep down, they want to be playing. So every training session, they'll be right at it. And I, for one, think that we're going to go up at least one, well, not two levels by the time we get back <coughs> into the follow start of the season again.
3: Now, obviously, there wasn't a game at the weekend. City returned to action this, this week against Fulham, three o'clock kickoff. Mm. But because of the, the nature of where we are in the season and the fact there wasn't a game, I've also asked a fan, young fan to come in here called Harlan, who's from Bolton. Well, you live all in Bolton, up. don't yeah. you? I know you're yeah, from
2: Bolton,
3: all... yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, you're going to add to the debate as well here, because... You can't talk about City now for an hour with no match to talk about without going into other areas. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, legends, and, and we, we touched on this a little bit last week, but we've got the artist with us uh, who's going to join us from Australia live. Formerly known as? Jamie Cooper. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. What do you mean, formerly known as? Sorry, it's a bit of a joke there. All right. Prince, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. got you. Right, <laughs> Prince it's uh, too, yeah. too clever for me, that Paul. <laughs> anyway, we've got the, the artist formerly known as Paul Lakes sat next to me <laughs> and, um, and we've got Harlan and we're going to talk about other things as well. One subject I want to bring up, um, which again we've touched on before, is the Tottenham situation and obviously we've now seen that City are going to, if people send in proof that they were travelling down on a train or a coach or a bus or whatever mm-hmm. on the Saturday or the Sunday, And it's non-refundable. They will refund them, which I think is amazing. But why should it be City that are doing this? Surely it should be the Premier League or it should be Tottenham. Tottenham more than anybody, because it's as a result of their ground not being ready, which they might argue they have no control over. But it's certainly not City's
4: fault, is it? No, you're right. But I just think that I think City played it really well because you want the focus to be on supporting the team, you know, and not have any excuses. So let's get all the financial bits sorted out. Go, come on and support our team, and focus on what's going to be a very, very tough game. As
3: a fan, you mean you must be delighted that City have done that, but also you a little bit angry, like me, that that the the real people who should be sorting this out, Spurs and the Premier League, don't appear anyway to be involved.
2: Yeah, it, it does annoy me to an extent because at the end of the day, like. Um... Like you just said, you know, it, sh- it should be something that's rolled out across the board anyway. It should be something where fans are subsidised for the for the amount of times that they have to rearrange uh, travel, arra- you know, rearrange the travel and, and and stuff like that. But I mean, it do- does irritate you a bit, yeah. D- completely with you both on that. That um, you know, now we're we're the kind of people now. Obviously, I'm not going to the game. I, I don't go to as many away games as I want to, primarily because of financial constraints and uh, and, and travel because I don't drive and obviously. You know, I, I just don't usually have the, you know, the time to arrange that, that okay. kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it, it does frustrate me because at the end of the day, like um, you know, like you said, Tottenham are, Tottenham are, you know, they've had more than enough time, um, over the course of this this ground being built. And I've actually followed the, just just as a just as an average football fan, you know, I've I've watched the off and development projects, as they've called it, and I've I've looked at the development just as a fan, like I say, because I'm interested in in going there one day and seeing the ground and it's. In, in all its glory, because uh, it will be a wonderful ground. Um, but yeah, it does irritate me the fact that Tottenham have kind of just kind of avoided the subject um, and allowed it to kind of become a bit of a an elephant in the room that people have now had to bring up and speak about. But it's it's only come about when the season started and wasn't really discussed prior to the season starting. Um, and therefore, um, I just think it's it's very, very, very terrible on their part. I mean, uh, and the Premier League should do a bit more to kind of stamp it out and... And, and and have a word with Daniel Levy even and, and go that that deep in and, and, and try and rectify the situation really because it's not on. I mean, we could go in in a tangent here now because obviously we're not going to talk
3: about the football so much and me, I'm lucky because for the last 25 years basically I've been going to the games as a journalist. Paul, you've been going as an ex-player if you've not actually been playing yourself. Harlan, you're going as a fan. Yeah. So you can represent the fans in this debate and I find it... it, it Clearly for me, it doesn't matter the match. is moved to a, a Monday, so fine. Uh, you know, My job, if you want to call it a job these days, is to do the vlog and to do podcasts and radio and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I can juggle it around. I don't have to worry about a nine-to-five job that's in the midst of all this. But it was brought home to me this week because I've got a son who wants to go to a Comic-Con in North Wales in December. December, right? And he says to me, shall I buy the ticket? And I say, who do we play in that weekend? We're at home to Bournemouth. So is that game going to stay at three o'clock on a Saturday, he says to me. And I said, probably, but I don't know. And he says, but the tickets are selling fast for this thing and I have to buy the tickets now. What if the game gets moved? Because he wants to go to the game and he knows that I am going to definitely go to the game. So it causes a problem. So I Googled it. When will the TV fixtures be announced for December? October the 7th. Why Why do we have to wait so long? Now, we, me and Paul can get around with it, but but fans like you, I know you've said you don't
2: necessarily go to many away games at the moment, but how can you plan anything? You can't really, can you, at the end of the day? Like I say, you know, people, people might have, for example, um, you know, I know this is a bit off topic in terms of f- football in general, but let's look at everyday life. We're all human beings. We all have to go to weddings or christenings or everything else. And let's just look at it, you know, in that light for a quick second. People can't exactly turn them down and I wouldn't turn them down for the football because Oh they're I do fra- no, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I probably would try and get around it but it just happens to be that you know the weddings I go to there's, there's a, there's, look,
3: I'm invited to a wedding the weekend we play Liverpool at Anfield and uh, and they were saying they were, I was getting messages from the the bride saying so are you definitely coming and we go but well, I've got to wait and see when the see this comes so back this to when the TV with, yeah, yeah. game was announced and then eventually you know it's getting closer and closer we've got to put we've we've sent in the the orders now for the meal you're not on the menu list anymore so you said that I, our I don't know yet say, I don't so know yet the game. then the, <laughs> dro- the then the game has <laughs> yeah. moved to sunny and I go yeah I can come yeah fortunately yeah. she's she's not like gone well you can't now it's too late yeah. and I'm still going <laughs> but that is exactly
2: what you're talking That's about I mean it is difficult to kind of get get around that and at the end of the day if, you, if you're playing playing United at home and, and, and you've got to go to a, a wedding I mean you don't really want to miss the derby do you? so you know that gets moved to a Sunday and it should be on a Saturday at, at say half twelve you've now got to kind of make a decision which you shouldn't really have to make or, or you'd, you'd have to make that decision but you'd rather know earlier on prior to the season you know when, when the fixtures are released or just earlier on so you could actually make alternative arrangements
3: even as a season ticket holder at home though you know the games can be moved about and people buy a ticket which is basically for 19 games In the old days, you and I, Paul, we used to three o'clock kickoffs pretty much every game, apart from the odd midweek game. Now, it can be Friday night, it can be early Saturday, late Saturday, early Sunday, late Sunday, Monday night. They can be anywhere, can't they? Mm. I mean, that must even affect you, because you've got a day job as
4: well, haven't you, Paul? Yeah, of course, yeah. And and again, you're trying to sort of fit your life around your team and, and, and be that supportive fan. And and um, I mean even from from like I was saying, you know, Alan was saying about from a cost a cost perspective is that if you're trying to book early, try and save yourself a bit of money and plan your finances. You know, you, you can't for that worry that first of all you're shelling out and and you know can you afford it? Second thing is come come with the hour, then things can change. It's non-refundable, and all of a sudden you know you're left uh, you know out of pocket and and might not be able to get the game anyway because of the change. Yeah. So it is a frustration for lots of fans. And like you say, you want to try and plan things in advance and to look forward to it without that worrying, that stress of, is it or isn't it? Have you missed any
2: home games because of fixes being moved? Uh, no, I don't think I've missed any home games. I don't think I've missed... I've not missed any home games, I don't think, in, in all the time I've had a season card. Um, and, no, I can't remember... Actually, off the top of my head, I don't think I've missed one home game, but my girlfriend has had to, because of work commitments. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, just yourself and uh, she's really dedicated to work, but at the end of the day... Um, you know, work very good with her and they said to her, look, every City game you can have off. Not every kind of employer is going to be like that because they've known that that was her commitment prior to her working there. You know, she's friends with her boss and she's friends with everybody that she works with, so they all kind of cover her and make sure that she can get to the game because they how much she cares about City. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just one of them things at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it's irritating because I, I like going to the game with Jess, as you know, and she's like my, uh, well, my my right-hand woman at the end of the day, or my left-hand woman, because she sits on my left, shall I say. But, how about um, your better half? Yeah, my better half, I yeah, think in her wife, case she is. I've not actually proposed <laughs> yet, you know what I mean? But uh, she, she knows, she knows how, you know, that's how it is. But, um, you know, I love going with her, and when I can't go with her, you know, it's upsetting. Um, and, and that sometimes does come down to the fact that we, uh, you know, we're getting up for the game, whether it be a big game, or whether it be a small a smaller game against the likes of Bournemouth or a, a Brighton, or whether it be a big game of United or Chelsea or Tottenham. Um, it's upsetting when... Um, when we find out late and 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 she can't she can't go to the game because it's just as upsetting for me as it is for her because we don't get that that time together and we don't get to go and watch the boys play so it's it really really irritating one other subject subjects I just wanted to bring up in this section before we talk to Jamie Cooper, live
3: in Australia, where it's about three in the morning or something, so he's, hopefully he'll get up when the alarm... He's probably the alarm going off now, ready for the call. <laughs> um, we'll talk to him about legends and that. But you mentioned All or Nothing. You, you obviously both watched that yeah. in, in detail and I've talked on this programme and in podcasts that I do about All or Nothing before, there's, only, there's been one subject that I've seen recur a couple of times, either in newspaper articles or on social media, which is whether or not, and I did ask this right at the beginning of the process before I'd even seen it, yeah. whether or not actually seeing so much of Pep in the dressing room had given any secrets away. Yeah, I look- now, have you, have you, you've both watched it intensely. Do you feel
4: now that you've watched it that there are any secrets that have been exposed? No, I don't think so. Um, if you th- if you think about what is said in the changing rooms, uh, it's things that any any coach worth his salt will be able to understand and be able to to be able to map out how City play. And and you can watch game in game out and watch how City play. And you know you can you could even you can even put on the notice board his philosophy because it doesn't make a difference. Because just because something's there, you know, it's how you live it you know, and, and the and the, the learning environment that you create, which then embeds it. And that's what, and that doesn't mean bricks and mortar. It's about people. You know, it's about language use. It's about body language. It's about, you know, how you express yourself, you know, and, and how you challenge and, and, and inspire individuals. And that's what Pep does. And he does it day in, day out you know, and, and so much so that, you know, you, you see the players, there's the visit, the visit, almost like, it's almost like worshipping the manager. It, it almost feels like that, like like we do as fans now, yeah. you know, that, that adoration for someone who, you know, is making me a better player you know, and a better person to do and be able to deal with, you know, uh, this elite environment and being the best time and time again. So, yeah, words in a changing room, you, know, you might argue that, oh, he might be saying too much and giving too much away. Every team knows how City um, you know, is set up and they can try different formations. You know, they can try a high, medium, low press. They can, they can, they can, they can try playing with a the diamond. They can try whatever they want to, try and keep it compact. It's about the time of the pass, the weight of the pass, the variation of the pass. And when you've got players... Yeah, I, and and that's it, and and because so many players are so good at that, I think that um, you know they can they can they can watch it and they can pause it, they can rewind it, they can watch it time and time again. Won't make a difference. Are we, you are you right. worried, Harlan?
2: it Doesn't bother me in the slightest, Ian. Because the thing with Pep is, um, I think that guy has got infinite ideas. Um, if you try and second guess him on something, he'll whip something out of his right sleeve. if You try and second second guess him again. He'll whip something out of his left sleeve um, and probably whip something out of his socks. The guy has got infinite ideas. He um, has got an answer for everything, I think. Uh, Like, obviously, Paul touched on before, the guy's a genius. Um, You know, he studied the game. He studied uh, Johan Cruyff's... um, Well, he's probably studied his game, watching back all them years before he even became a player himself. He watched him uh, coach him, watched him around the changing room when he was at Barcelona with other players. And he's obviously soaked up all his ideas like a sponge, and then he's he's draining them all out into our players now, which is which is fantastic. Um, and I think what you what you've also got to look at is uh, is he and that um you know like like Paul just touched on then the opposition might try and second guess you, but like I s you know like I said just added to, to to Paul's comment then it's the quality that we've got in our squad, the fact that they can try and press you higher, they can try and match you, they can try and go hell for leather to try and um, upset the apple cart. Like I think. You know, if you if you look back, I mean, Southampton tried to do it last year. Um, a couple of sides tried to come and do it. I think Cuddersfield tried it for maybe the first half of the nil-nil game at home last year. United even tried to sit back in that in that derby that we unfortunately lost, which I still can't get my head around how we lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't, like I said, didn't change anything in that game. They just kind of, um, you know, relied on us potentially making mistakes, which we kind of did, and we played into their hands.
4: But also, what you th- what you've got to understand is that you know, in terms of position-specific um, coaching. There's, there's that many layers to each player and each position and each moment in the game. And into context against the opposition, and again, so how they press, how you receive the ball is so much detail in in every single uh, position, you know. And and again, they can throw up uh, moments in games, even even being a man down, for instance. You know, there's so much variety and in invention. You uh, in uh, whether in whatever stage of a game, you know, whether it's the first minute, the last minute, you know, what area of the pitch you're on, you know. And again, it's that attention to detail. You know, the devil is in the detail. And, and I don't think there's many many coaches that that can approach a game in in such a, a meticulous way you know accounting for every eventuality and giving players the toolkits required in any moment home or away you know whether whatever whatever situation environment to be able to deal with it and again something else as well is the fact that it's all about decision making too yeah you know and 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 when you when you've got that much in your armory it gives you so much more confidence yeah. to be able to make those right decisions time and time again and david silva for one you know is 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 probably key you know in terms of the fact that he has he he even looks like a captain now Whereas obviously Vinny is the is the is the absolute warrior and leader for us, but Vin, but David Silva looks like a captain. He's got an aura about him now, and he was sadly missed. But he he again will raise it for us this season. I mean, so the the short answer to that then is that no,
3: no secrets have been <laughs> given away. You know? did, did you want to know, Sorry, or did he
2: want more than that? He, he, he knows how to. He knows how, like I say, he's got loads of ideas for his sleeve. But what I think he does is. He trusts his players to kind of improvise as well during matches. Yeah, he's got to be part them of system. He'll give them, you know, put the formation there for them, uh, get them to kind of play the way he wants them to play but knows that players like Kevin De Bruyne and David Silver will do things off the cuff that he wouldn't even have expected before the game himself and, absolutely. and give us that quality that we need. Right,
3: listen, Paul Lake is a legend. I, I am absolutely having Paul Lake as a legend, right? So in a moment, we're going to speak to the guy who's painted Dream Scene, which is the the the, the big painting of the legends, and I don't remember seeing Paul Lake on this painting, so I'm going to take an umbrage with him in Australia, whether he's half asleep or not, and we'll talk to him after this.
4: Excess Manchester.
3: This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. Evening and welcome along to another hour of, well, not quite an hour now, it's less than an hour because we're underway. And it's the Manchester City Hour, Forever Blue. I'm with Paul Lake. The Manchester City, and I use this word very specifically, legend, who is sat alongside me and a young fan called Harlan. And I'm looking at dream scene. The picture that you may well have come across, it was in the vlog that I did last week, and I actually talked to Jamie Cooper, who is the artist who's put this together, and he joins us now from Australia. So he'll be standing on his head, and it's about three o'clock in the morning. Is that right, Jamie?
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, the middle of the night, I think I'm still on Eng- England time because I'm only uh, right back from uh the UK a few
3: days ago. Good. Well, that's that's good to hear. Right. Anyway, I've got this picture in front of me, and it's, it's caused a lot of uh, a debate, and and quite rightly because it's a fantastic picture. Before I start debating with you, why Paul Lake is not in this picture, right? Because he <laughs> Sorry, is a no, legend. I take no responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> just just tell me a little. I mean, we we when I when I talked to you last time, I only had a, a, a minute or two in, in that context to talk about it, mm. and you started to tell me away from the camera some of the the detail because Paul was talking about the, the coaching of Pep Guardiola before and saying that, the, you know, the devil is in the detail. And, you know, that, that's what... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a Walt Disney fan, right? I know it's going off topic, but the, the attention to detail that that guy used to have was with the difference between his work and other people's work. You have made a painting here which has fantastic attention to detail in it. So just tell me a little bit of some of the examples that you put in this painting and, and why you've put them in.
0: Oh well, um, I think this is uh, supposed to sort of tell a bit of a story about the, the not the entire history of the club, but as much as we can get into one as into into one image as possible. So, you know, for me, the club's history is full of stories, and these players are known for what they've done on the field. They're also known for what they've done off the field. Um, so, I've tried to get as much of that information in there as possible. I, I've brought 31 of the city legends from throughout time into a current day dressing room. And I've tried to create an atmosphere of what would they be talking about? What would they be getting up to? And what are the things about them that city fans know and love? So there's a heap of details in there. But this is in consultation with the club. And this probably took about two or three years to get over the line. And it took about three visits from me talking with historians and club representatives to, to find out what was important to tell about City's history, and I like the fact that that they've gone into quite a bit of detail about things that are are not just about the players. You know, Rose, the tea lady's in there. You know, up in one of the lockers, there's a little teapot with a rose coming out of it. Um, So, you know, it's nice that the club recognises that it's not just about the things that happen on the pitch.
3: Yeah, there's all sorts of things in there. I mean, I, I, obviously, I'm looking at the, the picture. Paul's got his glasses on to look at it. That's how intensely Paul is looking at the picture. <laughs> and you can see all these little details in the lockers. I can see the rolls that you're talking about. You were telling me that um, there were, there's a pile of books, for example, uh, behind one of the lockers as well.
2: Yeah,
0: well, I had, I had the, the great privilege to meet Vincent Company. You know, when I very first started this project. He got his input. And I would say, look, come on, mate. What is it about you that, the, that, the, that your teammates get into you about? You know, and he said, well, probably I read a bit too much, and i have got a book in, some books in my locker, and, and people sort of get into me for you know, being a bit of a bookworm. So his favourite books are Mandela's Walk to Freedom. So that's there in his uh, locker. But there's also you know, he's got a bit of a brain on him, you know. Um, so I've got a whole bunch of Belgian philosophical books uh, in his locker as well.
3: So, obviously, you've got to somehow, you and the club, have got to cut down the, the stories, tell these stories by all the detail that we're talking about, but also try and represent across generations and on the the, the people who are considered to be key players. But you're always going to get arguments. I mean, like I said, I'm looking at this painting and I'm thinking, there's no David White, there's no Paul Lake, there's no Steve Redman, there's no Andy Inchcliffe, there's no Ian Brightwell, you know, that great youth team. And Mm -hmm. there were others, of course, in that youth team. There's no Dennis Stewart in there. There's no Manuel Pellegrini who won... The Premier League, uh, you know, fairly recently. Uh, how, how were those decisions made? How did you come to 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 come up with these these people in the painting?
0: Well, this is. Um, I have to say, I have no responsibility in that because it's not my role or my right to pick. You know, who these players should be. It's the, the club, the historians. You know, there was a lot, a lot of discussion about who should be. You know, who shouldn't. This is not supposed to be the. Ver- Necessarily, the very best of the best—you can never do that. I mean, you could put a hundred players in there, and you'd still miss someone out. It's just a representation of of as many of the different eras of the club as we possibly could. And I think the club actually agonised for a long time about who exactly should we put it into. It must have been a a, a terrible job to have to, you know, to to bring it down to just thirty-one figures. So there's obviously several players that you could put in there. And I've done these historical. Uh, paintings for 20 years and, it, and it's the same every time you know there's always discussion about who should be in there because it is a rich history and how can you condense 100 and almost 125 years of history into one image so it's always a hard call and, and, and there's always going to be discussion but i guess the discussion is part of what this painting's about i wanted to get people talking about the entire history so i guess that's what this does
4: what do you think paul no, I, I do like it, I think it's excellent and again, you know, the, um, you can, you're looking at each image and, and that paints its own little picture for you and, you, know, you, can, you can look at uh, moments in your, your, your timelines as a fan more recently obviously lots of success the um, I, I, one thing that I would say which is quite, uh, I mean you, you have recognised the 1980s but only in a banana and that's the one thing that I think is a bit disappointing uh, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. But aside of that, I think it's uh, it's unique. I think it's very uh, cleverly uh, put together. And like you say, even even with the uh, with the, with the, with the rose, you've you've managed to and uh, you know capture lots of city's history in unique ways, in ways that fans can think about and can can ruminate over what that means to them. So I think you've done a fabulous job.
0: Oh, thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. Of um I know in my research one of the things that you know, one of the the chants that, that City got ribbed about was there is no history, you know, and, and obviously that's a load of garbage when you look at the cream of the talent that's running through this painting um, and over over every, well, over, well, as I said, almost 125 years. And I think, for me, the whole painting summed up by Vincent Company and Billy Meredith in the middle there, you know, and you've got your first superstar captain who started in 1894 reaching across time and shaking hands with um, your current day captain to me is sort of what this painting was for and as I said there'll always be controversies always be debate about what it should be but it's to me it's a celebration it is a celebration of the entire history of this club but it's symbolic
3: now we've got uh, a fan here yeah. as well, Harlan. Are you, that's that's the that's the legends point of view. I keep saying legend just to just to get my point across. What about you, Harlan? Obviously, you're not a legend. No offence meant. No. What, what do you <laughs> think not as you. as well, a fan? Yeah, I'm a legend to the fellow <laughs> fans. <but. laughs> to to the
2: fans uh, from the fans' perspective, looking at that p- painting, what do you think? I think it's wonderful, Ian. Um, uh, you know, I'm not just saying that because because Paul said it. I actually genuinely do think it's wonderful. I mean. I, I was born in '93, and I can already see that many of the moments that I often sit in the pub and speak about, or many of the moments that I talk about on match day. Um, you did a vlog a couple of weeks ago talking about what does match day mean to you, and and some of the match days I remember, and just just sitting in the pub watching with my dad. You know what I mean? And we're talking about like Mika Richards. I remember his debut against Villa. You know the header. You know dying minutes of the game. You know Mika was such a great asset to our club. I personally think that he'd probably still have been playing under Pep um, had he been a couple of years younger. Um, he's a perfect kind of wing-back um, and I think he'd suit this system, you know, perfectly. So it's great to see someone like Mika on there. Joe Hart, I'm so glad that Joe Hart's on there as well, especially with regards to, to how things obviously ended. I wouldn't say they ended sourly, but he just wasn't the kind of goalkeeper that Pep wanted to keep. Um, probably wouldn't have fitted into his system, but I love the fact that Joe's on there. And obviously, like I said a bit earlier on, you know, not to do with the painting exactly, but I'd love to see Joe come back and get a bit of innovation from the fans when we when we play Burnley. Um, you know, Vinny Company, how could he not be on there? Sergio, I was there that day and it was just it was just an unforgettable day, something I'll never ever forget. Um, you know, when to see Shawnee right there as well, I mean, I've got Sean on Instagram, you know, I like his pictures, I comment on his pictures sometimes and he, he's kind enough to like my comments and reply back to me sometimes. And that's really, really amazing to, to, to see. And then, you know, you've got you've got loads of other legends like Zabba and you know even even Paul dickoff someone that someone that I, I love watching back on videos now and then even people that I never got the opportunity to watch that I just think you know have have got a real 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 uh, right to be on this painting and overall it is great and just to see everybody in the same changing room is amazing and to see Bobby Mank and Pep having a laugh together is <laughs> is something that I think's fantastic because you know Mancini started the the revolution in terms of like bringing in the big the big names after using and stuff, and Pep's also following on from him and Manuel's. Um, great kind of spells and, and doing what he's doing now, so it's amazing, yeah.
4: I wondered as well, pal. you know, there's, um, it looks like uh, Dunny and, and uh, is it Yaya in, in deep conversation there? I wonder what that wonder what the question is from Dunny. Can't be <laughs> one to, lots of City fans there will is? be asking themselves.
2: How many own goals have you scored? In your there career. Is, there is story to that Say so that again,
0: Jamie. I said there is a story to those two sitting there, because obviously I had to make a few alterations to the painting because I had... Yaya actually had a red card in his hand and he was handing it to Richard. Because Richard's got the record for the most amount of red cards in the game because he played with such passion, you know. Uh-huh. And he gave so much. And if you look up in his headlocker, he's got eight red cards stacked up there. <laughs> right. But he's also got the record he's also got the record for the most amount of player of the year awards. So the trophies in there as well. But originally Yaya had a red card in his hand and he was handing it to him. And 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 Dunny was actually had a, birth, had a birthday cake in his hand, and he was handing it back to Yaya. So they were having a bit of a joke, but the club thought, oh, that's a little bit too sensitive, maybe. So we moved the birthday cake up into his locker, um, and had to, had to remove that. But I, but what you just said then is exactly what the painting is 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 for. What you know, what would they have talked about? You know, yeah. who would have gathered with who, and imagine the things that they would have discussed. You know, and and you were mentioning Sean Wright Phillips there, and. I've got him walking back in through the door, you know, after his release to Chelsea, reluctantly. You know, the club did that reluctantly because they sort of had to financially and whatever. But no one wanted to see him go. And then when he came back, it was like the prodigal son returning. So I've got him walking back through the door with his arms out saying, I'm back, folks, you know.
3: Well, listen, Jamie, it's brilliant. We could talk about it all night and, and we probably carry on talking about it all night. How do people get a copy of that? Because presumably the original is going to stay with the club, is it? Or or you keep it?
0: Well, no, the uh, original got purchased. It it got presented um, uh, at the game against Newcastle in one of the club's dining areas, and someone bought it, and it's (coughs) off to Glasgow.
3: Dare um, I ask how much it went for?
0: It went for £43,000. Wow. But uh, when, when, when that's and that is fantastic. But that, this is nine months' work, so um, you know there's, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into something like this. It's not something that just comes together. So I was I was obviously very happy for that to happen. But
3: people can buy podcast. it though, and they can buy prints though, can't they? In the shop,
0: they can. Yeah, they, they can buy them from my website, <laughs> um, which is uh, JanieCooperArtist.com, uh, and they're also available from the clubs. Uh, uh, online store and and at
3: the stadium. Well, Jamie, thanks very much for for staying up or getting up, whichever one it is, Um, and and talking to us. Really appreciate it, and good luck with it, and well done on it, by the way. But I still think Lakey should have been in (laughs) (laughs) there. Well done, Jamie. Talk
0: to the club. Thanks, guys. Really nice to talk to you. Cheers,
3: Jamie. That's Jamie Cooper, who's the artist. Remember, uh, Jamie Cooper artist.com and then if you go on that website not only can you see the painting but you can you can order a print as well right we're going to talk about city folklore with dr gary james right after this excess manchester this is the manchester football social forever blue with ian cheeseman Yeah, this is uh, Forever Blue, Manchester City, Hour, XS Manchester 106.1 FM. And while you've been listening to other things, we've been debating, is it Mika Richards or is it Micah Richards? I've talked to Micah that many times who's told me it's definitely Micah, but even his mates and even people who played with him And managers
4: around him called him Mika, didn't they? They did, yeah, you're right, yeah. But I've always known him as Mika in my head. That was always Mika Richards.
3: Well, you know what? Dr Gary James is the definitive voice of Manchester City as far as I'm concerned in terms of history and knowledge. There is nobody, nobody got more knowledge about Manchester City than this man. Gary, after that build-up, is it Mika or Mika? I've always said Micah. yeah. Hey. You'll do for me, Gary. Right. <laughs> One of the main reasons I've got you on tonight is to talk about your new book, Manchester City Folklore. Um, so, tell us a little bit about what's in the book.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit different to some of the books that I've done before in that they're quite often sort of heavyweight histories of the club. And this one is more of a, a book that you can sort of dip into. It's, it's more like a, a stocking filler at Christmas. It's the sort of book where, you know, you can open it up, read a couple of pages, find out some stuff about the club, um, and then put it down again. It's, it's quite colourful as well, lots of great pictures. Um, but the reason I, I did it was that I got absolutely sick and tired. And it sort of follows on from what you've just been talking about 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 you know legends if you like I got sick and tired that people see Manchester City as being a club that went from the third tier of football to being Premier League champions and being gifted money without understanding that this club has such a fantastic history and was um, always perceived as a major club um, up until that sort of period you know the, the, the sort of late 90s was the bit that was out of character the rest of the uh, history was was like it is now not as great perhaps you know we didn't we we didn't win the league every season or challenge for the league every season. But we had some incredible periods. So that's so I wanted to do it for that reason really.
3: So in folklore obviously there are there could be little funny anecdotes or there could be really serious stuff. Is it a mixture of both then?
1: Exactly right. yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's, there's stuff in there. For example, I do a feature on, you know, Francis Lee's penalty record, and, and people always say, oh, he dived, and he did this. But, you know, the season when he got a record 13 penalties, only five of them were for fouls on Franny, you know, and, and so it was mostly for fouls on people like Rodney Marsh. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of challenging some of those perceptions. Um, there's stuff about chance, uh, you know, the origins of chance. There's stuff on the origins of a club. Um, but one of the things I did was I took the year in 1983 relegation in 1983 Um, and I tried to sort of say what was the state of Manchester City on that day when relegation occurred and at the time we'd spent seven more seasons in the top flight than than United had we'd won um, only three trophies less than United in our entire history we were one of the top three best supported clubs we are a major club and what I wanted to do with this book was really sort of say here's some ammunition for fans get this book read it (laughs) learn something about the club try to you know win an argument in the, in the pub with a, a United fan or a Liverpool fan or whoever it may be and, and basically understand every aspect of a club, um, not just that we were a team that was in the third tier. You know, we were, we were a major power. We dropped to the third tier and we fought back. And, you know, part of that's down to the loyalty of fans. So a lot of that's down to the fans, um, but also down to those players who kept by the club. You know, players like Ian Brightwell, another one who was a great servant to the club and he, he lasted, you know, he lasted for 10 years competing at, for, challenging for the league in, in the early 90s, and then desperately trying to resurrect the club at times in, in the late
4: 90s. Now you, um,
3: as a person, if people don't know who you are, you are Dr um, Gary James. You are, these days, I mean I've known you a long, long time when you were just a fan, and I don't mean that in the wrong way, but when you were just a fan, and now you are a very learned person who basically spends, I guess, your whole life either lecturing or researching and finding things out about Manchester football. I know it's not just about City, Manchester football, women's football and all sorts of other things. And and so you're delving into stuff in a way that lots of people would be envious of, but clearly with your skill set, probably the only person who can do it really well, like you do. to, To research for this book... Do you still unearth things that you didn't know that you that amaze you and astound you? Absolutely. Or was most of what's in it st- stuff you already knew? No.
1: Absolutely. My, my greatest finding of the last sort of year or so is in the book, and that was um, by accident. I was doing some research on something, on women's football, actually, um, and I managed to find in a newspaper from the 1920s an interview with um, a guy called Walter Chew, who uh, was one of the original St. Mark's people back in 1880, and Walter was there when the first ever game of a club was played at St. Mark's Church, and he actually names the person his idea it was, and it's not a name that has been published elsewhere before. Now he, he mentioned it in, 19, in the 1920s but it was one of those things that got forgotten over time and people have gone down different paths. So in my book it actually quotes um, Waltitude talking about the person who actually founded the club and this for me is like you know the holy grail. It's, it's one of those things that you, you, I found it by chance but it's something that's so important really to, to the club and there's so many other things that I still want to, you know, still want to find out. You know, why did we play in Sky Blue. You know, we still don't have the definitive answer of that, but uh, we're getting close with some of it.
4: Ah, well, that's it, Gary. You've got to make sure that you don't give away too much. You don't <laughs> want, to, want, to, want to read about it. But the only question that I've got, really, because, you know, I mean, people don't know this, but in terms of my own book that my wife and I worked together on, uh, Gary, you know, we made sure that we sense-checked everything with Gary to make sure we didn't get anything wrong. He's the man. He is the man. But, Gary, <laughs> you know, in terms of the actual title of the book, Is it by the very nature of being folklore? Is it, is it still fact or is there a bit of fiction in there?
1: It's actually, it is actually all the facts I mean he does talk about some of the myths and he does talk about some of the rumours but you know it's the stuff that we should know I mean I thought i what every blue needs to know so for example uh, you know we just we just you just talked about um, which players should be on the post uh, on the uh, painting um, and obviously Paul should be on there absolutely should be on there and he's definitely Thank in you. the book there's a picture of Paul in the book um, but it's those sort of things you know I, I was um, with a, a Leicester fan yesterday who's part of the publishing team and he's, he actually talked about the game where Paul, um, you, you swallowed your tongue and because he was there as well. And it, it, it's those sort of things that we need, as fans, we need to understand what's happened over the years because it's not just about winning trophies and it's not just about failing to win trophies. You know, it's about where did the um, the best team in the land and all the world chant come from. And I've, I've got that in the book and it's, it's based on something that appeared on television, you know, and, and so there's lots and lots of those little nuggets that I thought, if you're a young fan, or a recent fan or even if you're just you know like me somebody who's, who's obsessed with a club there's going to be something in there that you think oh i didn't realize that or that's great stuff um and well I, I i'm obviously pleased with it but um i think it's going to be one of those things that people will be dipping into for, forevermore really
3: well, I'm looking forward to getting you in the studio. I know that it was too short notice tonight because I saw you publicising the book and I thought, I've got to talk to Gary about that. Mm-hmm. So that's why we've got you on tonight. But let's get you in the studio in a future week because I love your passion. Your knowledge is absolutely seconds and on, Gary. So we've got to get you in here to talk about stuff. but. Um Everybody
4: must listen to this must really envy what Gary does don't yeah, you think yeah, but I mean again you know I, I still feel like you know, calling your doctor Gary, because we 've known you so long <laughs> it feels a bit you know a little bit out of sync, but certainly you know there 's things that are going to be in the book and the things that you know it just, it just it's, it, it's brilliant for all city fans to to actually get the facts right i mean even the even the stories around you know how they how the bananas first started there 's still debates on the true reasons behind those types of things and and having your knowledge and your, you to substantiate the facts, I think it just, uh, it, it's something that every City fan will, will want. And do people get a copy of the book, Gary?
1: yeah, um, it's from. you can get it from a website called conquereditions.co.uk that's a publisher um, you can also just do a search of my name and I'll, I'll put a link to it on my Facebook the banana story in Stanley is in the book so that's a good one as well um, but yeah, I, I, for me I just want I just wanted to, to get those stories out there and I'd, I'd love to come to the studio perhaps bring a few copies for everybody and uh, and let's see what
3: happens Oh Well, you, you know you've got an open invitation Gary but thanks very much for joining us at such short notice tonight, really appreciate it, good luck with the book Book. Can't wait to see a copy of myself. Can't thanks. wait to to read it. And thanks for sharing your passion.
4: Brilliant. Thanks.
3: And I think it won't be too long before it'll be Professor Gary James, don't <laughs> you think?
4: It's, it's yeah. going to go that way, isn't yeah, it? it is. It is. I mean, it'll be a bit like like Vincent Company, you know, as as is mentioned by Brad Silver in the in the in the series. He, he could be the next president of whatever country you wanted to turn his hand to. The guy's just uh, you know incredible. Well, there you go. You got a few things now you can think of for Christmas. Football's yeah. back this weekend
3: against Fulham. Uh, we'll just finish on that. I mean, what do you what do you think on paper? I don't know. Obviously, Harlan, you're a very outspoken fan who in a good way, though. not not in a good, f- way. In a good way, not <laughs> frightened to so say. What, what do you think this week? Is it? I'm everybody I talk to before games these days says ah, I'll be about three or four nil today, but it's not always three or four nil, is it?
2: No, the thing is, Ian. Um, as you probably, well, I say as you probably know, you know that I'm a very realistic um, fan. You know, I've, I've got good football knowledge. I'd like to think I possess good football knowledge, and I possess knowledge of a lot of a lot of other sides other than our other than our, our own wonderful side, um, Fulham, are and an, are, they're an outstanding side. Um, they were an outstanding side in the Championship last season. Uh, they deserve to be respected. Um, never disrespect an, an opponent when they come to the Etihad um i know it's easy now to look at our squad and think that we should you know you know steamroll the sides but um it's not always the case because you know jekanovic is, is a class manager you know he's he, he did it with watford uh, got them up to the premier league and then left um went to fulham and um you know he's he's got he's got fulham looking good so i think players like Schürrle... You know, good players. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, Serie as well in midfield. We're going to have to get all of them players early on, stop them playing and uh, and do, do the business ourselves, really, yeah. Harlan, thanks for coming in. Thanks very much to
3: the legend mm. that is Paul Lake, who I'm going to pencil into my copy of the dream <laughs> scene. Uh, see you next week. We're back to do the same again and I'll be back tomorrow night on the Wednesday Club.
4: XS Manchester.